Hi, I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieV47, from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Yes, because I don't breathe. <laughs> Hey, wait a sec. <laughs> to listen to the show, find us on FriedRadio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration, and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit RevengeLover.com. And we are talking about the 90s animated Spider-Man cartoon, Spider-Man the Animated Series. <laughs> we're still in season three. Uh, we're still in the sins of our father's arc and will be for as long as we're talking season three. And if you would like to watch this episode specifically along with us, it is available on Disney Plus for purchase on digital platforms. And I believe this would be the last episode uh, on that Daredevil versus Spider-Man DVD. That's correct. That is 100% correct. I wonder how many people aren't going to get the I Don't Breathe reference. I don't know how you could forget, but it's entirely possible because it's been a long time. But it relates yeah. to the person we're talking to. Talking, talking yeah. to. We're not talking to him. We're talking about him. We've today. got him on the line. Patch him in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how people could forget the most iconic line of any Spider-Man show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually, said it enough. Yeah, we did say it enough. It is kind of funny though because I feel like we've talked about now multiple times, including last week's episode, about how this season has been picking up all these threads for episodes that like weren't very good and then trying to like reclaim them or improve upon them. And like, this is, I think kind of another case a little bit because not to, to the same extent, but like this episode in a lot of ways is like, a sequel to like the tablet of time two-parter which i think the creators don't have any issues with but like we didn't like a lot yeah <laughs> and it's like the first sort of continuation of like some of those characters from those episodes which is sort of interesting yeah what's especially interesting about these continuations is that they are pretty like direct and like in their lane continuations right like this is a continuation of those characters specifically and then last week's was like of those characters specifically. It's not like they're like crossing over half the characters from this continuation with half the characters from last week's continuation, which is interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That is interesting. This one definitely feels more standalone from like the last few episodes that we've gotten than like the ones before it have been mm -hmm. interestingly. Also interesting that it just occurred to me like, oh yeah, we have met Tombstone before but we never got any kind of origin or anything for him. This actually feels yeah. like an, or this feels like an introductory episode for him, except we've seen him in two episodes before, which is we, we could have never seen him before. And I think every single part of this episode would make perfect sense. I don't think there's yeah. anything that really requires, I, I don't even do they, they don't even flash back really. No, like they flash back to new stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. Literally, the only tie to the previous season is the fact that he is working with Elisa Silvermane like he Mm -hmm. was in that episode. But like him himself, like this being the episode of his namesake, like none of that stuff matters. Um, Yeah, this could this is the Tombstone origin episode. So, yeah. It's it's just interesting because we haven't had that on the on this show, and I don't know if you've really had it on any show that we've covered on this podcast either. Uh, things working out that way, so I don't know. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, the episode we're talking about is Spider-Man: The Animated Series, Season Three, Episode Nine, entitled "The Sins of the Fathers," Chapter Nine, Tombstone. Synopsis for this one per IMDb is Tombstone, one of Silvermane's former henchmen, has returned and is threatening to ruin the life of childhood pal Robbie if he doesn't destroy the story that he's about to print about the Silvermane family. Yes, the original air date was October 12th, 1996. It was written by Larry Brody, Robert Skur, and Marty Eisenberg. We talked about Skur and Eisenberg pretty recently. They they wrote the Enter the Green Goblin episode. Um, we have talked about Larry Brody before, and actually pretty extensively. He's come up a lot um, because in addition to writing multiple episodes of this show, he was also one of the main writers on Spider-Man Unlimited, and he is the dude who ran the blog uh, where he published all the material on that unmade second season of Unlimited. Uh, which we covered on our episode 53, which is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Thanks, Larry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For so many things. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely. It's coming from me, so you know it's sincere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anyone else no said that, it would sarcasm be sarcasm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> well, it's funny. So character-wise, this really focuses on the Robertson family and Tombstone. Tombstone we've talked about before. I actually did notice weeks ago that we'd never actually talked about Robbie Robertson's actor. And oh. I was like, when are we going to do it? Like, when is a good time to do that? And luckily this episode exists. This is the perfect time to talk about it. So Robbie Robertson is voiced by Rodney Salisbury. And Salisbury is kind of done uh, or doing a little bit of everything. Hmm. Um, it's like every time I think I've found everything he's done, it's like one more thing. So um, just a, a, a slice of what he does. Uh, he has a current podcast like a currently active podcast called success talks with rodney salisbury um <laughs> his voice yeah. sounds like a person who would have a podcast called success talks like do you know what i mean like he just has that <laughs> vocal quality about him yeah yeah you, you you trust what this guy's gonna tell you you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um he also writes and performs music uh for television and movie soundtracks so um some examples he's written songs and i believe performed these songs uh for Adventureland, the bold and the beautiful paranormal activity three that had um, music i don't <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I never saw I, the third I, one. I only saw the first one. I, I, I don't remember where the music is, uh, but I'm sure it was there. <laughs> I have seen it, but that's not what I was paying attention to. It's also funny that there is like music. I mean, of course there's music credits, right? But it's funny that there's like music credits for Paranormal Activity when those movies are sort of like famous for having silence. Like they're famous for yeah. like embracing silence and like suspense because of the absence of stimulus like so it's just it's so funny (laughs) yeah (laughs) um he also does voiceovers for audiobooks and movie trailers he's a former radio announcer for the nba's new orleans pelicans and he's provided uncredited adr on like a bajillion movies he's Um, really got that vocal quality that like makes mm -hmm. him a great like narrator and announcer and and stuff like that yeah and it, it it 
I, I love that he does a little bit of everything. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, as far as acting credits go, he was a recurring character on The Bold and the Beautiful in the early 2010s. He provided the voice of Rhodey in the 2007 The Invincible Iron Man animated movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, which were like those, there were a few of them. There was like a Hulk one too, maybe Planet mm-hmm. Hulk. Those like animated movies that were happening just as the MCU was like being born. Yeah. Um, that I think for all intents and purposes are like good, but are sometimes forgotten about because they're like on the brink of what is about to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he also provided voices on a handful of Aubrey Real Monsters episodes, and he's made individual appearances on all sorts of well-known shows across four decades of television, from Taxi to MASH, to Avatar The Last Airbender and Monk. Cool. So all over the place, this guy. Uh, and like you've said, I, he good voice. Very good mm-hmm. voice. Randy Robertson, his son, and actually the voice of young Robbie Robertson, uh, is Alfonso Ribeiro, who has done plenty of stuff, but I'm pretty sure if I just say that he's Carlton Banks from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, pretty much anyone listening probably knows who he is. <laughs> I had no idea that that's who was voicing. Him. Really? Oh, I, that's that's so funny. I once I think once you know it and go back, yeah. I think yeah. you definitely can hear it. But it is interesting because as we'll talk about, Randy's character is very different. I think in a number of ways than Carlton Banks. Yeah. Um, and but there are also like parallels to Fresh Prince, which is very fascinating as well. Yeah. So I know it's probably a coincidence because it's not like Will Smith or anything, but um, but still, it, it is a fun get. It's still fun. It's still interesting because, like, I I mean, I just looked it up and it's like Fresh Prince was like this. I think it was in its last season when this was airing. So it's not like 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 they knew they would have known who he was by this point. Mm-hmm. Like that show had already been a hit for a while. Yeah. So that yeah, that's that's really that's a really cool get. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is just like he speaks differently, like his cadence and his sort of like dialect are different. But once you know, like you, it's, yeah. you cannot unhear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and most recently, as of this recording, he has appeared in the 2021 Muppets Haunted Mansion mm. uh, on Disney Plus, and has competed in, hosted, or judged numerous game shows and competition shows, uh, such as Dancing with the Stars, which I believe, spoiler alert, he won. Um, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. And America's Funniest Home Videos, which I believe he's the current host for, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I didn't know it was still airing. <laughs> Sure is somewhere. Don't know where. (laughs) No clue. Uh, We also get uh, Robbie's wife uh, and Randy's mom, Martha Robertson, who's voiced by uh, Iona Morris. Uh, But Iona Morris is someone we'll talk about more in the future because she voices, she's one of the voices of Storm. I know we talked about that when we did this, the first crossover, uh, X-Men crossover, Uh, but she'll return as Storm. And it feels like, that's a more appropriate time to dig into what yeah. she's done because she doesn't have a ton of uh, screen time on this episode. But yeah. uh, we get Martha Robertson as well. The storm that we saw in the second season was voiced by the other storm voice actor, and then she will voice the storm <laughs> in Spider-Man in like season five. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 all weird storm stuff. We did talk about a little bit in the in that in one of the X-Men episodes that we did. So yeah. Um, also. Do you think the reason that they changed Martha Connors to Margaret Connors in this show was because they already knew that they were going to have Robbie's wife who was named Martha and they didn't want to have two Marthas? That's a lot of foresight. It seems like it would make a lot more sense to change Martha Robertson's name. Yeah, but I mean, that's the only explanation I'd have. And as we know from the uh, the Snyderverse, having two Marthas in one universe is, is just... 
is just uh, universe breaking, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this could have been a whole different episode if it were Martha uh, Connors, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love for that to be the reason, though, because that's... That's some wild time travel shit right there. Yeah. I mean, if that's, I don't, I don't know her from the comics, but I mean, if that was her name in the comics, they might've been building their series Bible and we're just like, oh, we don't have two Marthas. We like, we know Robbie is in the show, so we'll just go and swap one of them Mm -hmm. um, for Margaret. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do know that this is based specifically on a comic book relationship that was explored pretty in depth i think right but i don't actually i've never read any of it so i don't actually know what is faithful to the comic or what elements are are brought over into the series uh and what isn't i can tell you that i don't think that uh tombstone fell into a vat of chemicals in the comics wait think, what are pretty you for sure real right now i'm pretty what? sure wow I'll... <laughs> so why why if you're not beholden to that from the comics why why were they so obsessed with this i don't get it i don't get it if you missed last week's episode i complained about vats of bubbling chemicals then as well yep yep yep. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) well shall we get into this one yeah let's get into it so this episode opens with tombstone collecting a down payment from elisa silvermane who disney plus calls alicia silvermane um (laughs) And Elisa Silvermane lets Tombstone know that he'll get the rest of his payment when he succeeds in stopping the Daily Bugle from publishing an expose on her and collect and after he's collected a series of incriminating photos from the Bugle's possession. Tombstone assures her that'll be no problem for him as he has who he calls an old friend at the Bugle. And again, if you're familiar with the comics, you know exactly where this is going. Um, if not, I would be curious to see who people thought he was going to visit. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, I always knew about the Tombstone Randy thing or Randy, yeah. Tombstone Robbie thing. So yeah, I knew that one going into this. Hmm. I don't like Elisa Silverman's voice actress very much. No, I I don't even remember who it is, and I don't think I minded it that much in the Tablet of Time. But in this scene, when she's trying to be like an evil criminal mastermind person, it's just like I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way. Like, I don't even know if I can particularly describe it. It just feels like bad and fake, which I don't know. I guess you could rationalize that, like, she's an undergrad student who is, like, trying to take over a criminal empire. So she's probably putting on, you know, putting on airs a bit for it. Um, But I don't know. I'm just watching the scene and I was just like, ugh, you sound so fake. I I mean, I guess my biggest complaint is that it's it's not very notable or memorable. Like, I can't even remember what she sounds like. <laughs> like, get, I don't know. In that case, get somebody more fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think we liked her very much in the Tableau of Time two-parter either. Like, the character, not necessarily, like, the voice sure, actor. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just to, it's just to get the, the plot moving. She doesn't even appear again after the scene, so... I don't think so. Just in photos. Yeah, just lots of photos all over the place. But mm-hmm. cool. Well, at the bugle, Peter is uh, uh, delivering those aforementioned photos to Robbie talking about like, God, I can't believe I wanted to date her. And Robbie's like, yeah, good thing you didn't because she's taking over her father's criminal empire, surprisingly enough. Which is hilarious because these photos that Peter's delivering are like basically headshots and like yeah. model yeah. shots like from a studio. It's so fun. They're not like investigative photos at all. And they're literally just of her. 
Oh, I'm so glad you called that out because spoiler alert, that's the face of the episode. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Love it. Oh boy. There might um, be like a generic warehouse in one of those photos, but like anything they show you on screen is just like a JC Penny like it's great. sit in front of the screen photo. It's so it's hilarious. Great work, Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just cut a picture out of the yearbook and gave it to the Daily Bugle. Yeah, I was gonna say great work, Elisa, sitting for Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's so funny. They celebrate the fact that they're about to break the story, but um, but Robbie laments that the next story is right around the corner, which is Bandana Gang Strikes Again. Uh, he wonders if raising a son in New York is worth it or if he's right believing that Spider-Man is making the city safer. Yeah, which, of course, you know, to Peter, Peter's going to be like, I am. I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm going to go make sure I am. <laughs> Yeah. So then, he, you know, we cut right to Spider-Man. And later that night, he is stopping a number of gang members who are covering their faces with bandanas. <laughs> One thing that's very funny about this to me, and I know why they're doing it. It's, it's smart that they're doing it. I'm glad they did it this way. But it's so funny to me that they stress the fact that, like, these bandanas are the indicator of gang involvement but they specifically make sure that the bandanas are all like different colors so that there's no like <laughs> implication that like this is the bloods or yeah. the crips or like any other like famous gang <laughs> which is which is smart they should have done that yeah but it is still funny that they are literally called the bandana gang which is just the dorkiest name for a gang imaginable it's so funny it's so funny and they're literally just wearing bandanas over their faces like it's not that's well, it. <laughs> remember being in school, like in the nineties and into the two thousands, like I remember like bandanas in general were banned. We weren't allowed to ever, yes, have, even if you're like, wearing reason. them anywhere for this reason. Yeah. Because they were like related to gangs and they were worried yeah. that it would like, I don't know that like kids in high school in Caroline County, Virginia, in the middle of nowhere, were going to be part of the Crips or the Bloods, I guess. Like I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't gang activity schools. It was just the hanky code. <laughs> People were just out here <laughs> trying to get theirs, okay? Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yep. Uh, if you get that, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure plenty of people who are listening definitely do. Mm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we've got this bandana gang, right? And Spider-Man is stopping that. One thing that's funny is like they never really ever clarify what the gang is doing ever. It's all very like vague. Uh, In this case, they are on a car lot. So presumably they are trying to steal a car. But no one says that they're doing that. (laughs) So he, he intervenes. And he is surprised to find that one of these bandana gang members is Robbie's son, Randy Robertson. Uh, he does let Randy go, but then wonders, like, should I have done that? And, like, is crime just going to poison literally everyone I know? Is it going to affect everyone? Because it sure feels like it. Which sort of becomes part of the theme of this episode. Well, if not, like, the major theme of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the Parker residence, this surprised me. Didn't expect this to be happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tombstone just like breaks into the Parker house with Aunt May there. 
Aunt May's watching like Highlander or something. Like I pause on the TV. It's like yeah. a dude with a ponytail carrying a sword and uh-huh. she's just munching on popcorn enjoying it. I'm like, hell I like Aunt May in this episode. She's so different from how she is in any other episode, but she's like pretty cool. Like <laughs> she's She is. It's like frustrating because it's like an inconsistency of character, but if we're gonna get an inconsistency, like I like this one. Can we keep this one? Yeah, she's sitting alone watching a fucking action movie, which is great. Love that. When Tombstone breaks in, this giant hulking, like, walking corpse starts destroying her home. Guess what? Does she just, like, fall ill or faint? No. Does she have a heart attack? No. She's, like, trying to stop him and fight back and call the cops and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, it's actually pretty, pretty wild. Like, she's very, uh, I don't know. I dig it. She's, she's, like, actively trying to stop him, which we've never seen her do before. And it's like, yeah, more of this, please. Like, (laughs) being a normal, cool person. Tombstone, as he's tearing the place apart, he eventually finds Peter's dark room, nearly sees a spare Spider-Man costume that, like, normally is, like, behind uh, a, like, behind a fake panel in Peter's closet, and instead it's just, like, sitting out in his dark room, which seems like a misstep, Peter. But <laughs> uh-huh. he is distracted by Aunt May calling the police for help, uh, which pisses Tombstone off. He rips the phone out. He doesn't like kill her at least because ultimately he finds the negatives of the photos he was looking for and just heads out with them, um, leaving Aunt May behind essentially. And it happens just as Spider-Man arrives. Yeah. I, I love that, that, that May in this episode, like doesn't faint is trying to do something about it. Um, is like constantly like right within tombstones radius right like she's not hiding or cowering what's so funny to me though is because she's doing all that it really stands out that like tombstone just does not give a fuck that she is there like he's just like i don't i'm not interested in hurting you um so i'm not gonna do that but also like please just go sit over there (laughs) just like she's more annoying to him than anything else (laughs) yeah like she's like pulling on his arms some of the times when he's like going through stuff which like hell yeah aunt may like you are brave but yeah like he doesn't hit her or anything he's just like can you not do that go away so it cracks me up it's so funny to me she's just like this you know like and he kind of underestimates her right because she does eventually call the police but it just cracks me up that she's just sort of this like buzzing, you know, bug, or, like flittering around him, like trying to do things. Yeah. She's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Spider-Man checks to see that Aunt May is OK. Um, and oh, that's the other thing I do like about this yeah. Aunt May, too, because um, I've, I've given her so much shit. So I feel like I should give her as much credit as possible when she's like a good Aunt May. Mm-hmm. Like. She does like this is like a good amount of worrying about Peter because she's like, I'm fine. I'm worried about my nephew. I don't want this guy to go after my nephew because he obviously came here for him. Um, And I like that she's like expressing that like that's like the kind of Aunt May doting that I want. Like not you're going to be cold or catch a cold. You should bring a sweater. Just like I know that my I'm smart enough to recognize that my nephew works a dangerous job and is involved in this. I'm going to inform the police to like look out for him because I'm worried about him more than I'm worried about myself. Yes. Yeah, that was good. I like that scene, too. It's just like her sitting in his torn apart room uh, on the like sitting on his bed, talking on the phone, saying all this stuff. Yeah, Um, it's good. It's good. I like it. And and Mm -hmm. Spider-Man sees this, right? He like he initially goes there because he's like worried that she's hurt. But like we mentioned, Tombstone is not interested in her. He does not hurt her at all. Um, And so when Peter like when Spider-Man sees that she's fine um, and on the phone with the police, I think. Right. 
um i yeah. think she calls them back yeah um he's just like all right fine she's good to go like i'm gonna go find tombstone um he does find tombstone but he finds him while he's driving across the brooklyn bridge um and the two clash right there in the road like they just fight right there on the bridge and i'm always a sucker for that so i like this especially pissed at tombstone for attacking aunt may spider-man kind of loses control uh not quite as much as like in the you know black suit episodes but pretty sloppy uh, and this results in tombstone kind of gaining the advantage and tossing him off the bridge uh, and ultimately being able to escape elsewhere randy brags about having escaped spider-man and (laughs) (laughs) so funny such a like stupid teenager thing to do yeah 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 he was Uh, no match for me spider-man who (laughs) right right stupid Um, (laughs) <laughs> and he asked the bandana gang if he's made it into the group. They respond that he still has to prove himself, but this next time he has to do so strapped. So when they ask if he has a gun, he's like, uh, yeah, I have one at home. Uh Oh, which is wild. Yeah. That's like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I, I like could not fathom. This episode is interesting in that. I feel like it breaks some rules. Um, the gun stuff, which, you know, we'll, we'll get into a little bit from one actually, even in, in the scene before this, when, when Spider-Man is fighting tombstone, like the lines that they use when he's like, is, is beating up old or is attacking old ladies, how you get your jollies. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, this is how I get my jollies. And it's like, there's obviously been like in, innuendos and stuff in these shows before, but like, that's so like on the line, you know, like that's so specific, like they are literally talking about, is that what, like what gets you hard right now? Like that is what that means. Like exactly. That's not even really a veiled thing. So like between that and, and like, you know, Aunt May basically getting attacked and then the gun stuff, I'm actually really surprised at how much more upfront about stuff and like kind of real with the stuff, this, the stuff, this episode is than the show normally is, you know, given that like cops have laser guns in this show. So. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's definitely, um, it's, de- yeah. I didn't even really think about it at the, like, as I was watching it because I just mm-hmm. sort of like appreciated what it was doing, but yeah, that's part of why I think I was appreciating it without necessarily like calling it out to myself. Right. Yeah. 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 Like it's all relative to this show. Like other shows have done much more, explicit things but given the type of censorship that the show had i think it's it's worth noting when they're like i don't know this episode just is 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 uh is definitely much more on the line than uh than episodes usually are of this particular show Mm -hmm. and i'm sure some of that is why everything the gang does is so vague right like they're already Mm -hmm. sort of like all right here's where this is how many toes we're putting over the line we're not going to put all 10 Yeah, yeah. And you can't have them committing like Grand Theft Auto or anything. (laughs) And there's never like a real gun never gets fired. And it's always talked about how dangerous it is and stuff like that. Like all of this is setting up. to That's probably how they got away with it, honestly. I I think so, too, because even this right here, it's such a clear, like very special episode kind of setup. Like like teenager gets involved with a gang or or like gets his hand on a gun is like such a basic like seventh heaven or like sitcom I was like thinking trope, the exact you know? same show yeah yeah like th- i think heaven. that literally was like multiple episodes of seventh heaven so like it's it does feel like that i you know obviously there's superhero action so it's it's not executed with as heavy of a hand as that it's kind of stuff is but it is still of course. you know it is still heavy handed to an extent because it's still a kids show yeah Well, back at the Parkers, Aunt May recounts the attack to Peter, 
And uh, after May insists Peter find a new line of work, which I, I love because she's like, what's next? <laughs> a lizard? A human octopus? And I was like, oh, she's she's taking notes. <laughs> yeah, she's not, she's not wrong. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is, I mean, we called it out. These Everybody's going after Peter Parker lately. Yeah. Like, I- <laughs> <laughs> honest yeah honestly move just move yeah just move <laughs> yeah um but yeah so she says like you got to get out of this line of work like you can't you can't be doing this anymore um she does leave him alone in his room uh which is still like torn apart so peter's just kind of like looking through the wreckage and realizes that the negatives of the elisa silvermane uh stuff the expose are unaccounted for um, and he recognizes that if Tombstone is seeking out those negatives, he's obviously seeking out the developed photos as well, which means Robbie, who is holding on to them or is the only person who has access to them, is in danger. So he flips mm-hmm. off to find Robbie and fill him in on Tombstone um, and potentially his interaction with Randy earlier. I like this. I think this is really smart. I think it's fun. It's like mm-hmm. pure deduction. Um like it's not spoon fed to Peter. Peter just like deduces yeah. like, oh shoot, if he's going after this, he's obviously going to go after this next. Yeah. Kind of like Aunt May was doing where it's like, well, if Tombstone was going after Peter, I'm worried for wherever Peter is. He yeah. didn't find him, which means he's going to keep searching. Um, I just think they do a lot of things really well and smoothly in this episode. There's a lot of smart writing in this episode, I think. Yeah. Like this this really feels like a very thought through script. There's other stuff later on that's sort of like, oh, that's actually really clever that you did that, that we could call yeah. out. But yeah, this is this is a this is a very well written episode. And I I really like I always like kind of this old school like pre computers in the cloud thing where when you're dealing with photos, like it's not like there's, you know, he doesn't have to access the Daily Bugle database and get it erased. It's like there are the negatives and there are the, the developed photos. Yeah. There's these like physical pieces of, of evidence that the bad guy is seeking after. And I, I mm-hmm. kind of like I love I love seeing that because you can't get away with it anymore anymore because everything's digitized. So it's so fun to to sort of see that because it makes it makes uh, it makes the conflict so tangible, you know. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. So we then cut to the Robertson home and Robbie is met by his wife, Martha, who relays to him that Randy has been skipping class for weeks, which shocks Robbie. He's like, how? There's no way. Martha, though, kind of like chastises Robbie for like not being around enough to notice that or to like believe that that is possible or any sort of change in Randy's behavior. So we kind of get like this I classic, I suppose, like you're not even around enough to notice what's going on with your son uh, type of situation, which is kind of unique because like to this point, Robbie hasn't really gotten much characterization uh, and certainly not any sort of like dynamic background or like relationship uh, sort of stuff informing his character. So it's interesting we get all this at once. It makes sense, but it's like legitimately interesting, not like euphemism interesting. Yeah. Um, I am interested in all of the things that are happening is the best way to put it. So uh, anyway, they have that sort of like mini argument and, and Robbie catches Randy sneaking back into the house and unlocking a drawer in Robbie's desk where he keeps what he calls an old service revolver, which is terrifying. Yep. Robbie then notices a bandana sticking out of Randy's pocket and is like, are you joining a gang? And then the two get into an argument over Randy's now clear, obvious involvement with this bandana gang uh, and Robbie's seeming prioritization of work over his family. Very classic, like, well, my gang cares about me. They're my family. They care more about me as a family than you ever did. Like, very, very that. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Well, just as Spider-Man arrives to see Robbie and Randy arguing, Robbie receives a phone call from Tombstone instructing Robbie to meet him at the Veterans Memorial Park to discuss the Silvermane expose. 
So naturally, Randy uh, sees this as a point in his favor. Like, oh, dad, you're le- we're having this like big, like big blow up right now. And you're still leaving. Like, come on, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but Robbie is like noticeably like freaked out and and unsettled by this phone call. So he just leaves anyway, um, unaware that Spider-Man, who has noticed that something has Robbie spooked, is tailing him. Yeah. I like that moment where Spider-Man is like looking through the window and is like, whoa, what is going on with Robbie? He seems like very upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't know, I just like that. And it checks out because I feel like that's been a really that's been a part of a characteristic of Robbie is that he's pretty uh i don't know unshakable he's, he's pretty unshakable <laughs> yeah and, and and peter and spider-man even like mentions that i think with his monologue at certain points in this episode that it's just like when you see robbie shaken that means that you know something has really happened like something for real has happened like um and it's like yeah that checks out with everything we you know we don't know a whole lot about him but everything we've ever seen of his character like he's any any shit he's ever been through is just like yeah, I guess it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the optimistic one, you know? Mm-hmm. He's the rock. Yeah, yeah. Not the person, the rock, the metaphor of the rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rock the rock cast is Robbie Robertson in no, the Spider-Man no, movie. Mm-hmm, I nope. shan't entertain it. Wow. Yeah, that sounds horrific. <laughs> um, yeah, so at the Memorial Park... Robbie enters a secret corridor to meet Tombstone. Can I just say this like meeting spot that like they all that like they've clearly met at before. Like, I don't know if it's their own meeting, if their old meeting spot or whatever. It's like like Dracula's castle under like underground. I don't understand what this place is. You know what I think it is? I think it's honestly just visual continuity because the last episode that Tombstone and Silvermane were featured in was that stupid tablet of time stuff. Right. So I think they're like, oh, we need to have some sort of temple occult thing here because tombstones involved plus they go on to make a one thing this episode does that i didn't really write into my notes very much but is prominent is this idea that tombstone is dead tombstone is dead or he is yeah. undead or he is a living corpse like you mentioned yeah. well he doesn't that, breathe that, doug he doesn't he he, he does he does great not point breathe. great point he doesn't breathe um and he, he actually he plays with it too clearly people think he's dead all the time yeah. uh, or he just is i don't know he even like jokes about it but he goes on to make a number of jokes is a strong word but like thematic language around like tombstones and graves and being dead yeah um, so like i think that's all it is like they needed they were like oh well he's He's death guy, so let's have a catacomb. Yeah, yeah I guess it's just like because it's like a, I don't know, like I could see it being, yeah, it's like a catacomb, it or like a mausoleum. It's just like an artistic it's, theme thing. Yeah, it's just funny to see like Robbie Robertson like using like a candle secret entrance to go into this like fucking Castlevania looking shit with like soul shocking shrieking skulls in it and stuff, and it's like. Robbie Robertson feels so out of place and he's just like casually doing it. Like he's been there before. Like, it's just all so bizarre. Like, yeah. Although (laughs) now that you compare it to Castlevania, I love it. So I'm in, (laughs) I'm in now. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, he's in the, he's in the Castlevania castle now, I guess. It's notable that Robbie calls Tombstone Lonnie clearly familiar with him. Um, And uh, he's kind of like, like, freaked out a bit by tombstone's monstrous appearance remarking that he thought Lonnie was dead and kind of like you're saying there's the whole illusion like oh maybe i am dead mm-hmm. that doesn't really go anywhere they also <laughs> use that very sparingly i don't know if i don't know if in this moment that i think robbie says i thought you were yeah. and i think tombstone says maybe i was like yeah 
they yeah. they dance around it like that same thing where it's like we're gonna put this many toes over but not all of them right right i do think at one point though i think they might not what do they say uh, i don't know if they actually ever do say it i should have paid attention actually yeah I don't, they dance I don't around know. it a lot though I think they do a good enough job by not like substituting words like destroy in it. Like that. Yeah, they don't do that. You, you don't really notice that they're not saying dead, uh, I think. Um, yeah, they do clever like uh, folks interrupting each other or like yeah. trailing off because it's like heavy or whatever the case is. Which obviously it's still noticeable, but it's definitely not as bad as like, I thought you were destroyed. Like, oh my gosh. People, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hate like, that. <laughs> it's, it's much. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, I think ultimately just like a very well-written episode in general and that's mm-hmm. that's just another part of it i think the dialogue it, the way that they work around that is 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 better than it often is strong so. agree but yeah tombstone demands that robbie kill the silverman story and when robbie refuses tombstone threatens to beat him with a rock dude <laughs> which like, again they don't vocalize so they can get away with it right I guess so. They also yeah. do say kill like a dozen times, but they'd say it in reference to the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're yeah, able to get around it. Cause that's like journalists speak. So yeah. 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 They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We can't say yeah. dead. So let's say kill the story as many times as possible. Right. Right. And the censors <laughs> cannot argue with that. Uh huh. Luckily before Robbie Robertson is beaten with a rock in a Castlevania castle by a, <laughs> by a potentially maybe walking corpse. Um, Spider-Man intervenes and then Spider-Man and Tombstone clash. Oh yes. And not only do they clash, they fucking knock part of this building down. How does this even happen? How are they fighting hard enough to knock down this like underground castle? I don't understand. I mean, I guess like (laughs) if I were to examine it like shot for shot, it's probably all tombstone, right? It's probably entirely just tombstone doing things. Um, because there are notable moments where like tombstone is like, ripping down a a stone column or something Mm -hmm. because i think that's one of the moments where like robbie and spider-man like look over at what he's doing in horror like he's gonna he's gonna bring the place down Uh, but even before that like them just throwing each other into the walls is like shattering this stone building yeah the worst constructed stone building in all of human history yeah it's bad so yeah, like it, it literally collapses. Like part of it falls on Robbie, uh, nearly kills Robbie. Uh, but ultimately, of course, everybody is going to get out. There are some cool moments in that. Like they, they, um, there, there is a very quick, far too quick. Because if you're going to do this, let us see it. But there's a quick moment where Spider-Man jumps on a falling rock onto another surface. I love anytime anybody does that. I think it's so. Mm-hmm cool just like a cool action thing but then also there are moments where this building is collapsing and spider-man will like web onto something and then that thing falls and it affects the way he's swinging or where he's going and that's like an attention to detail with regards to his swinging that we rarely get in like any show like it's it's weird physics stuff that they never need to bother themselves with but did (laughs) yeah yeah there's good stuff in this episode for sure yeah so it's ridiculous that they knocked on a building, but they 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 milk <laughs> some, some cool stuff. stuff with it. Yeah, that I will give you that. Yeah, either this whole thing, all this happens. Robbie almost dies. Spider Man saves him. Everybody's eventually everybody's fine. It, they they don't die in this collapsing yeah. underground castle thing. Yeah, this um, all happens in like the first eight minutes of the episode too. By the way, wild. And you know what's funny though, it doesn't 
this compared to like last week's, especially, I don't feel like the pacing seems too fast no. in this episode. It's it is wild to me no, how quickly good. things escalate. I think the pacing to this one is really good, um, but it is just wild to think how this gigantic set piece happened and all this exposition has been thrown at us like right very very early in the episode, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't feel like it's too much. Like it's good, it's well no. written. But yeah, Tombstone's nowhere in sight once they get outside. So Spidey is like, okay, buddy, tell me how you got wrapped up in someone like Tombstone. So Robbie explains. We get uh, an extensive flashback um, about uh, Robbie and then what becomes of Tombstone's origin. Robbie explains that he knew Tombstone when they were kids and Tombstone was simply Lonnie. Um, They were friends and he recalls a time when the two of them accidentally broke a grocery store window and Lonnie convinces Robbie to help him try to steal ice cream. Um, I think this scene, it, I hate making fun of the scene cause it's all like really tragic and like dramatic, but I do think it's funny that like the way that it's like drawn and animated Lonnie's like, I just need a boost to get the ice cream and the ice cream's like right there in the open window. He could just reach it. And yeah. Grab it. I also, <laughs> it makes it a little silly. <laughs> it also bums me out a little bit that this all happens over ice cream. Like I'm not saying that that couldn't be the case, Uh, but i do think the episode could have raised the stakes even just like one notch right (laughs) like yeah um but i mean i guess that's also just like the severity of the situation and it's certainly social commentary um yeah but just the fact that it's ice cream for some reason i was just like it's so it makes it a little too kid like grab a tip jar from the right like the counter or something well, and that's like the heavy handedness of this one that does feel me uh, does feel me. What the hell wow. did I just say? Oh my goodness. Wow. Oof. Heavy handed feeling. <laughs> um, this is like the heavy handedness that does feel to me like very seventh heaven a bit. Cause it's like, it's not just that it's not just stealing ice cream. It is also like the conversation where like Lonnie is like Lonnie and Robbie are supposed to be friends, but like Lonnie is so heightened as like, He's the bad kid. And he's like calling Robbie a straight arrow as like a, this like um, mean nickname. And it's just like, if you weren't so busy doing your homework, we would have gotten to the store before it closed. And it's like, I because, and it's frustrating to me that they sort of heighten it to that level, um, to that very special episode kind of level, because I really do like the commentary that they do right after that, yep. which is this idea that Robbie manages like the the cops show up like because the ro- broken window probably had an alarm right the cops show up right as Lonnie uh, Robbie is helping Lonnie uh has been kind of coerced into helping Lonnie get the ice cream but Robbie is able to escape Lonnie gets caught and arrested and it basically completely ruins his life while Robbie is able to like go on to success because he didn't go to juvenile jail basically right so like that commentary is really good and Robbie even calls out that it's like during that time and also like now, like Robbie expresses how one straight can ruin your life. And so their paths end up diverging from this one moment and this one mistake that they made as like literal children. And that that itself is like really tragic and really good social commentary on how like the justice system system works in this country and how your life can literally be ruined by like one mistake. And I think it's no coincidence that they're both people of color as well. So I think that that stuff is really good. It's just frustrating that like, yeah, it happens over ice cream. They make Lonnie like out to be like such a shitty kid 
even as a child when I think that it probably would have been stronger, like if they did actually appear to be friends and like well, Lonnie wasn't written as like a villain right from the get go, you know? Yeah. That, that to me is the thing that undermines it the most, right? Because if they're supposed to be on e- like the, the argument that this one strike is the divergent point between these two characters, you need to set them up as more equals. They don't have to be the same character, but you either need Robbie to be the one who sort of pitches the idea, but maybe isn't willing to go with it or like, or pitches it sort of jokingly. Um, and then Lonnie re- latches onto it or, or they're, or again, they're just kids. So they both just recognize this opportunity, right? Where like ice cream is in front of them there. They could even build upon what they've already established in this very season, not even just the show, uh, with the rocket racer episode where like he ends up being accused of stealing money because he's literally just picking up money from the ground, you know? So like, yeah. they don't even have to have like ill intent in this moment to get the point across. Um, I just feel like somewhere along the way, they felt like they needed to justify Lonnie being a bad guy. Um, yeah. and that just undermines the point. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think like I wouldn't give it I wouldn't give them so much like credit on the intention if we hadn't seen Rocket Racer already, where that's it's very clear that they did have kind of a pulse on wanting to do the social commentary. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's sort of like I expect a little bit more with them in this episode when they're sort of revisiting this in a slightly different way. It's not it's not as like big um, like it's it's definitely like a major part of this episode, but it's not even as, as big as it was in Rocket Racer. Like it's not as much of a focal point. So like they don't have to even deal into the nuance as much um like i would forgive them if they didn't but like at the same time they just make it way too broad in this flashback in a way that just undercuts what was some good commentary that i know that they're capable of doing and i know that they were thinking about it because they have shown that they are thinking about it yeah yeah absolutely i agree with you it's like maybe the one sort of like strike in the writing i think because everything else i think lands really well and i think accomplishes exactly what they're trying to do and the point that they're trying to make and support yeah. the the commentary that they're they're really highlighting. Like I guess they were just afraid of making Tombstone like too too sympathetic or something maybe like because he is such a I mean he is like he is pretty awful as as Tombstone. So maybe they were like afraid of making him too much of like a sympathetic, like regular kid or something like that. I don't know. I think that could be it, but like, he's a child, like it's fine. They show him at other ages as well. So, you know, I think it would have been more effective to have him sort of quote turn when the divergence happens. Right. Right. Cause then you've justified like, no, this was a good kid and, and shit just went South so fast because of ice cream. You know, I might've actually forgiven, the ice cream part a little bit more if Lonnie wasn't so obviously a shitty kid. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, I jumped around a lot like when talking about that. Um, But I mean, the gist is that, yeah, Robbie gets away, graduates from high school and college. Lonnie, Lonnie ended up educated on the streets instead, steeping himself in criminal activity. So Robbie shares a Spider-Man that he thinks all the time about the things, um, how things might have gone wrong if he'd gotten caught instead of Lonnie, like we sort of referenced before. Um, uh, the 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 super villain origin part of this mm-hmm. is is then when Ryan, uh, Robbie recalls a time when he was a new reporter uh, responding to a lead at a chemical plant, and he shares that uh, when he arrived, he found Lonnie there and learned that Lonnie was the one who called in the tip. Lonnie threatens to frame Robbie as payback because he's like, 
You came in, I told you're climbing up this ladder, you're not wearing gloves, your fingerprints are all over the place. So when I set off the security alarm and get away, all the evidence is going to point to you, and now you're going to have to go to prison just like I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's going to prove that you and I are the same and you're not so much better than me, right? Um, So I love that dynamic. I think that stuff was really clever. But, of course, in this whole interaction, Robbie, uh, Lonnie trips and falls into a bubbling vat of chemicals like you Of course. (laughs) As you do in a 90s superhero-inspired cartoon. Green chemicals, to be precise, as they are. Oh, yeah. They got to be bubbling. It's It's got to be green. It's got to be a huge vat. It can't can't pour over on you, right? It's got to – you got to fall into it Uh, because the one time we saw something pour over in this episode, nope, didn't work. Like, what do you think these companies, not just this one, but every, like, corporation, like, the same one that the Joker fell into, too, like, with these giant, open, uncovered, unprotected vats of bubbling green chemicals that turn people into insane supervillains, like, what what is the company doing? What are they making? <laughs> Nothing good. <laughs> We don't even know what Lonnie is framing Robbie of in this. Like we do nothing like it's literally just to have a bubbling vat of chemicals. Yeah. Yep. And and all these sets look the same. There's always a catwalk. There's always like a big old vat. I don't know. It's just why are we doing this? Yeah. Or why did we do this? Luckily, we're not doing it anymore. Like, was it just, like, a common fear that people had? Like, was it, like, the equivalent of, like, like yeah, where quicksand? where did it come from? Like, quicksand in movies? Like, like no one ever interacts with quicksand, but quicksand was all over fucking movies. Everyone was terrified of quicksand. Were people just, like, super terrified of bubbling vats of chemicals for some reason? I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I do not get it. <laughs> and I truly don't understand why they turned his origin story into this. That is a question I would love to ask somebody someday. Why yeah. this? I think it's just it's it, it is an easy one to do, right? Like it's it's easy if you're trying to have like Robbie still be an innocent person but still be witness and kind of sort of like involved in the origin story of the supervillain. It's so easy to just but, have the guy trip and fall into a bag of like, chemicals, you know? It's it's I'm not mad that like you would change something to make a story work more easily, right? Like to simplify an explanation. But to use the thing that everybody, including yourself, has already used, like, in a five-year span, like, that, to me, I'm just like, why, though? Like, like make it easy, but make it literally anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but it sets up a joke seemingly about itself later, so, okay. <laughs> so, anyway, Lonnie has fallen into this vat of chemicals. Robbie assumes he's dead, uh, as as anybody would, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Yep. So recounting this story, Robbie's like, this has been a long night. I would just like to go home, reconnect with my family, because he just had an argument with Randy. Obviously, Martha's upset, and Spider-Man's like, I get that. So Spider-Man brings him back to his house. Uh, but not all is great, because <laughs> Robbie is greeted by Martha in a panic, because Randy snuck out and Robbie's like, no, gosh, like this is the worst outcome. Uh, so he immediately like runs to honestly, to Martha's surprise, immediately runs to his study instead of Randy's room and checks to see if the gun is still in the drawer and is relieved to see that it is. Um, but as he's checking, 
uh, for the gun, he receives another phone call from Tombstone. And this time Tombstone is asking him to meet at the chemical plant, which we just saw. Um, And he also shares at this chemical plant, he is with Randy, who he plans to frame next. Uh, Because he hasn't given up on this idea of, of, I took the fall for you, so you or someone close to you must take the fall for me. Yeah, they and they do a... uh... They do what I, I actually kind of liked this fake out because I totally bought into it because um, Robbie has the gun now after talking yeah. to Tombstone and Tombstone is threatening his son. So Martha's like, what are you doing? And Robbie's like, I'm going to do something I should have done a long time ago while he's holding a gun. It's like, oh, my gonna God, he's going to try kill to Tombstone. kill this guy. And I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you. I probably would, too. But then he's like he gives the gun to Martha and instructs her to get rid of it. So basically the, enti- the whole, the whole thing is that it's like, I should have never had this in the first place. I should have gotten rid of the gun and not had it in a house with a kid ever in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I like that fake out. I think it's really good actually. It's very effective. Yeah. Cause I, like I said, totally bought it. Um, but I also think, you know, that, that is the type of thing where it's sort of like, I also would sort of see something like that in a very special episode, but it works in this case because the conflict is so heightened and the emotions are so high and the mm-hmm. stakes are so high that like I, the fake out makes sense, but also like having that reaction to, to be like, this is pushing me to recognize uh, why it's dangerous to have a gun and a, a working gun in my house is uh, is a, is, is not good. And I, uh, I, I want that out of here. So yeah, I like that. Absolutely. I like yeah. it a lot. In spite of that, he is still going to meet tombstone just mm-hmm. you know, unarmed. So he heads out to meet tombstone. He does. Um, Spider, th- I thought this was so funny. I mean, I get it. It's all, it all actually works um, in order to make everything fall into place. But it's so funny to me. Spider-Man, who had left uh, in order to seek out Tombstone, comes back to the Robertson house looking for Robbie because he can't find Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> Which cracks me up. So yeah. he like gets there. Robbie's already gone. Martha's there, and he's like, "Oh, um, I was looking for Robbie because like I can't find Tombstone." <laughs> uh, and Martha lets him know that Robbie just got a call uh, about the chemical plant, which Spider Man just heard a story about. So he knows that Robbie is going to the chemical plant, which is connected to him and Tombstone. So he's like, "Shoot, I got to get there too." Quickly flips off to meet up with or confront or whatever uh, Robbie and Tombstone. On the way there, Spider-Man's interrupted by Madam Web. What? <laughs> and she appears on a uh, billboard. Yeah, I lied. There's maybe one one more minor strike I would give this episode, and it's wrapped up in some of this. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think the billboard is hilarious. The billboard is just like a lady drinking milk, and it's like, milk, it's all good. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the major strike. Oh, because <laughs> you don't like milk. I got it. But, uh, but anyway, she, she appears to remind him that the previous two attempts to defeat tombstone like did not work out. <laughs> like you, you were trying to fight him with your fists and obviously that failed. Right. So like you can't use your strength when you're fighting him. Um, she tells him that he must use the human heart to defeat tombstone and he must use his brain to interpret her advice. Um, yeah. And of course, I think there was there's one line. Yeah, I wrote it down where she's like um where where uh Spider's man, Spider-Man's like, "Oh, you're keeping score," like for referencing like how many times he's been defeated by Tombstone. She's like, "Well, someone's got to keep score, and I'm not sure you can count." Yeah. Well, she <laughs> says like pretty much in the same breath, like you got to use your brain if it still works. 
It's like, good She's lord. So fucking mean to him. I love it. I, I do love too. love it. I do too. I mean, it, it makes you understand why he's so annoyed by her, you know? And I, I, I feel like I felt that as a kid too, right? Like that she was bothering him, you know, that she was interrupting him. They do oh, yeah. a good job selling that. Um, mm-hmm. To me, and, and you'll have to let me know if you feel differently when we get to this point, but to me, having just seen last week's episode where she kind of does the same thing, gives him sort of a tip, tells him he can't tackle the problem the same way uh, that he did before, and then gives him a piece of advice I was fully expecting this piece of advice to sort of be spotlighted in the way that last week's was. I don't think it was very much, but, uh, uh you know, yeah, that's I to, mean, it's sort of the end of the episode. So yeah, uh, you'll have to let me know when we sure. pick that piece apart. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being too hard on her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, at the chemical plant, the bandana gang breaks stuff with crowbars move boxes they do other gang stuff i guess that's what that's what gangs do i guess they just they're literally just handing boxes boxes to each other are they stealing stuff are they bringing stuff in probably what are they doing it's a chemical are they stealing chemicals (laughs) they're doing gang stuff doug that's what they're doing gang stuff yeah Yeah, you know (laughs) it just cracks me up they never say what the gang is i get why but it's just so it's so funny to me (laughs) just the more you watch what they're doing they're not doing anything (laughs) yeah but gangs are bad so that's all that matters. That's of course. all you need to know. Gangsters oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of it, honestly, part of it, the more I'm thinking about it, right? I'm making fun of it because it's like funny on the surface. But the more I think about it, it is possible that like between Rocket Racer and this story, obviously part of that moral is that like joining a gang is bad, but they also do a a, a really like decent job trying to let you know that getting into a gang isn't necessarily something that only bad people do, right? Like yeah, yeah. there are numerous ways you might end up involved in a gang and therefore not everybody who is wrapped up in gangs is necessarily bad. People who are in gangs aren't necessarily villains. They all have stories, families, motivations, mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody sort of responded to my laughing at the vagueness of this with, well, the last thing we wanted to do was just demonize gangs wholesale, right? Yeah, sure. sure. Because there is more. It's more, we're we're making the argument that it's more complicated. So to put too much emphasis on what the gang is doing is kind of missing the point. And that was me thinking out loud. So I don't know if it even made sense, but yeah, that makes sense. I think it's it's all it's all hard to do, right? Because like the episode's viewpoint that I don't really disagree with is that like most of the time gangs are bad because they're just doing crimes. Um, And and I think that that's like a fair viewpoint to have, but I think like just what makes it complex is that like it, that just because like the gang gangs themselves are typically pretty bad. Doesn't mean that the people within those gangs are bad themselves. Fundamentally. It's just that like, well, and it's a system. Yeah. It's part of a a system. system. (laughs) It's a whole system. And it's part of a situation where like, they might collectively end up contributing to bad things, but like, it's just, but like when you separate out the single parts outside of that system, yeah, like you said, everybody has a story. Everybody has a reason for getting involved. Randy here has a sympathetic reason because like 
he felt like his parents didn't care about him, was sort of just seeking some kind of community. And this just happened to be the community that like responded to him and that he felt like he fit into. Um, well, and that's, and that's, that's just how anyone falls into like crowds that end up being bad influence influences on them. You know, that's real life. When people talk about cults or gangs, a lot of times it's this idea that like somebody is seeking something that they're not getting from either a yeah. family unit or guardian unit or something, or they, I mean, they don't perceive that they're getting it right. And so the, this group that's giving it to them in droves, Groves is going to be appealing. It's sort of like how you get get folks in. Yeah, um, you know yeah. that's like a huge cult thing, right? Is yeah. this idea that like we care and we'll take care. Right, of you. right, yeah. You know, I mean, like the mafia says that too, and it's like mm-hmm. it, it, or at least like you know the way that it's presented in the media. Um, yeah, you know, it's just like those those you just can't fully wholesale demonize any group of people because like that doesn't help anything like gangs are bad. Okay, cool. What are you going to do about that though? Like how does that help anyone who's in the gang already? Right. If you really fully care about the people that are, that are like stuck in a situation where like they where like they, you know, that, that is their community, but their community is like harming the community, harming the, uh, any other community. Like you can't just say like, you're bad. Like there's nothing like, that doesn't help anything you know right. so well, it's like it's like trying to it's 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 trying to like pull one singular thread out of you yeah. know a whole woven tapestry and expecting yeah. it not to affect anything else yeah like ultimately to your point yeah i think that like it's it's a weird line to tread on like a kids show like this where like you don't want to fully wholesale demonize the entire gang and say they're all bad people but you do also like don't want to accidentally tell kids that like joining a gang is cool. You should mm-hmm. do that because everything's great. Like, right. so it's a weird line to toe. Um, and I think it does make sense to keep it vague because then you're not going too far into like making their stuff look cool because you're not showing what they're doing at all, but you're also not going too far on the other end by like explaining every little thing and justifying every little thing because nobody knows what they're doing. You just know that this is a thing that Randy shouldn't be involved in because it's obviously negatively affecting him and negatively, negatively affecting the community outside of that gang too. And yeah. something needs to do. Someone needs to do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> And Tombstone, the bad guy, is in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the key point here is that while the gang is doing gang stuff and moving boxes, Tombstone is watching on. I, I, that's that's the big connection here between these two threads is that Tombstone is actually leading the bandana gang or at least is like giving them orders or has taken it over or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how these storylines converge. When Robbie arrives, Tombstone demands again that Robbie kill the Silverman expose. Um, and in order to prevent uh, Randy from becoming Tombstone's fall guy, because remember, he's going to frame him just like he was going to frame Robbie in their flashback. I really like that connection. This is um, maybe the most direct sins of the fathers. Yes. Thing. 100%. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I think we should talk you know, heavily about it when we get to the end of this season. Yeah. But watching this episode, I was like, oh, okay 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 yes (laughs) like when he got to the point where he's like i'm gonna frame randy i was like yeah this is this is it right here (laughs) yeah this isn't just (laughs) this could have been the first episode this season not not literally the first but like conceptually right like i could have seen this being one of the earliest episodes sort of thought up and, and cooked up well, because it's like it's not just that this is a season about bad dads, because that's what we've seen a lot of. It's like this is a season about like the complicated nature of like having children and being a child to a father who has a complicated past and how that past affects like your children, essentially, because mm-hmm. um, Robbie isn't a bad guy, but 
you know, his past is still coming back to bite his it kid. Honestly, has a lot more to do with like generational trauma than it does like specifically just dads. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yes, one hundred percent. Robbie obviously continues to refuse all of this and actually reveals that like it doesn't even matter because I've already sent the story to the press. <laughs> we rushed it. I I'm holding a newspaper with that headline right now, so it's too Look late. Look at buddy. it. <laughs> Story's right here. <laughs> um, I mean, Tombstone's entire deal here is like he he does like the kind of um he does like the Green Goblin thing where it's like uh you know you're 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 just like me right like deep down you're just like me like we could we could actually like with my strength and your connections we could rule the city together mm-hmm. um which i kind of appreciate because that's still sort of harkening back to the whole like one mistake caused their two paths to diverge even though again i think their flashback could have executed that better i do like the idea of it that tombstone is really trying to like hammer in like we're only different because of like the, that one point mm-hmm. of divergence in our life. You could have been like me and I could have been like you. So why don't we like work together? And fuck everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a compelling dynamic to me. Cause like, as I think about different stories, like one of the things that caught me when I was initially reading like the miles Morales stuff was mm-hmm. the relationship between his dad and his uncle has like a way more layered nuanced version of this. And that particular anxiety of if I had made one different decision is something that the comic books version of Miles' dad has. Like that is an anxiety that he has very strongly that he thinks about constantly is like, I could have been uncle. I could have been your uncle. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love that idea of like, I could have been you and you could have been me. And that being something that just sort of haunts you, especially if you feel guilty about it. Right. Because in this case, Robbie feels guilty, especially because he got away and he feels like he was part of what was going on. Yeah, it's it's some good stuff. I like it. I like yeah. it a lot. Good stuff. <laughs> it's well, also just cool in general. I don't feel like we really see supporting characters like have their own nemeses like Robbie has with yeah. Stone too. Like that's really that's a really unique dynamic for him. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Do you think? Uh, this is uh, this conversation shouldn't last too long because it's about a different series. But do you think the fact that Rand was in Spectacular Spider-Man ever could have evolved into something like this? It's a super different character, like characterization. Um, I don't know about that. I know that I think that there was like stuff. Somebody has said something about that, like Robbie and tombstones relationship like that would have been a thing in the show that they would have explored like they would have had a similar childhood relationship so at least the dynamic between robbie and tombstone would have been a thing but with like robbie like or uh, randy like having any kind of like issues with his dad or like joining a gang or whatever i don't think that that they would have had to start that from square one in the middle of the series which would have been weird yeah I think that like the gang stuff would have never happened, but I could see something where like, if you do do a storyline with Randy and tombstone, you could get ran, uh, w- sorry with Robbie and tombstone. You can get it. You could get Randy involved in a way where like you do maybe explore some like daddy issues that he has sure. that we just like, we're never privy to because we never really saw them together ever yeah. in the show, you know? And it would have been so. easy enough. Like they could have tied that into the fact that he's like an athlete and yeah. you know, part of that crowd and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But it's like, anyway, oh, he, my dad never even shows up to my football. <laughs> game or something like that. Right. Right. 
plus he seems perfect right so you play the whole like my life seems perfect but it's not type of whatever etc cetera, etc cetera. but different series go watch spectacular mm-hmm. you'll you know you'll love it yeah hello amazing friends we just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular and up patrons Bo, eric steve carl katie mike Lillian and Douglas. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film, from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. So in this show, uh, the 90s show, not spectacular, uh, Spider-Man arrives just as the conversation between Robbie and Tombstone starts really heating up. So he sets off to find Randy. When he does, he pulls Randy from the group and fills him in on Tombstone's plan to frame him, just straight up letting him know, like, you're here to be his fall guy. He even points out, you didn't even bring gloves, like, and no one gave you any. Your fingerprints are everywhere. Like, the setup is perfect. And this is, again, a mistake that Robbie also made when Lonnie tried to frame him at the chemical plant. So that sort of, you know, that poetry between the two generations there. Randy does not believe Spider-Man, though. Randy repeats once again like these people care about me this is my family my dad doesn't care these people care so spider-man's like are you serious right now let me show you what your dad is doing right now brings him over to robbie and tombstone so that the two of them can eavesdrop on their argument and they get there just in time to see robbie promising to protect randy at all costs even if it means ruining his own career his own reputation they even then sort of get into a physical altercation like a brief one where robbie is willing to like physically fight tombstone uh on behalf of randy and and getting him out of there um mm-hmm. so randy gets to see all this right then on top of that Robbie sets off a security alarm, which then prompts the bandana gang to flee. And Randy watches them flee, question where he is, and then say, fuck it. Who cares? Let him take the fall. So he sees his dad arguing for him, fighting for him, sees the bandana gang abandoning him. And so, like, everything is sort of flipped on its head. This is the use your head and heart thing, right? Because. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He doesn't use his heart at all later or his head at all later confronting yeah, yeah, yeah. tombstone yeah i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean like he literally uh, says like now that i've used my heart yeah i mean i guess I, that's yeah. that's my that's my issue with the the madam web thread i'm trying to find some great reach around that i can to like prove you wrong and say this episode's great but like i no, I this episode think... is great whoa i didn't say this episode no was sorry great. i mean like this that this, that this, i mean that that aspect of the episode is great i think it's that's just... very minor but i do think it's it, it there is like a incongruence yeah. there yeah 
but I really, yeah, like I, I will say that it didn't bother me when I was watching it, I think, because it is probably because it is such a minor thing. It, like, it confused he, me first. Because he, he does else, it confused me because I thought I, I watching it the first time, I thought that that whole thing was dropped. I thought there was no conclusion to it. Right. It was only when I rewatched it that I was like, oh, OK, that's the heart thing. Because right he does there. like reference it in the dialogue before he goes to get Randy that he's like, oh, what Madam Webb told me, this is what I've got to do. And then he gets Randy. But it's just like it just doesn't really factor into actually defeating Tombstone. I think maybe <laughs> that's know? the mistake, right? Because I love what he does here. I have no issue with what he's doing. I think it's very clever. I think it's written really well. I think there's a, a yeah. nice like um, sort of like uh, like uh, relationship between watching what his dad is doing and then watching his his you know fellow gang members do what they're doing. Like that part's really good. I guess all it really boils down to is is how Madam Webb sold it, right? Like, it almost would have made more sense for her to say, like, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on defeating Tombstone, and that's not the problem. There are other people you need to be focusing on. And maybe that would have made more sense, because what really he's trying to solve is the Robbie and and, and Randy thing. Yeah, it's it's like... <laughs> It's really weird. And the, I think that's why I didn't I didn't really pick up on it when I was watching because it's sort of like, oh, yeah, they called back to it with the Robbie and Randy stuff. But it's like her advice was very explicitly about defeating Tombstone. Like that's what she, she was, was keeping score. About. She was keeping <laughs> score and saying you can't defeat him with Braun. You've got to defeat him with this stuff. But this isn't what defeats him like, at all. Right. <laughs> so, I think there's just a little bit of script tweaking on her, like from and the way she delivers that that could have totally solved it because I would not want them to change any of the end portion yeah. of this episode. I think if like the thing, I, I think if, uh, if the, if the conflict that Madam Webb is solving was defeating tombstone without it being at the expense of Randy and Robbie somehow, I think that'd be better. You know, it's sort of like, mm-hmm. how do I, how do I find a way to defeat tombstone? But in a way that like is able to like let Randy and Robbie survive it or not be, ha- have to take the fall or something like that. And then him able to convince Randy of what's really going on and his father loves him and all that stuff, like basically gets them out of the way so he can defeat Tombstone. Like, I think that's what they were going for and that's what makes more sense, but it doesn't really work with how Madam Webb stuff was delivered. They also could have played with uh, Peter's anger, right? Like she could have given him advice on how his anger towards Tombstone was blinding him um, or affecting people around him. Mm -hmm. Uh, In which case, like, I think that plays into what you're saying, right? Is like, how what he's doing is affecting Robbie and Randy. Um, I think you could have woven that in there as well, because in, yeah. in the previous episode, she talks about how his romantic distractions were getting in the way, right? This could have been another one of those like highlighted distraction, point out a solution. Yeah. Fully agree. Ultimately, Madam Webb didn't need to be in this episode at all, but we are, we talked about how she needs to be here to lead up to things. <laughs> Yeah, although she hasn't been in, in the season as much as I thought she was, so like this could have been one where they just left her out of. No, and I, she's I pacing wise, she works better in this episode than last week's. Her just yeah. her advice was better last week than this week. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Anyway, let's go back to talking about how great this is. Yeah, because this is a good episode. <laughs> it is. I like it a lot. <laughs> so inside the plant, Robbie and Tombstone find themselves once again running along a catwalk suspended over vats of bubbling chemicals. <laughs> These things never end. There's always a chemical plant to always mm-hmm. with the same like terrible safety measures, a lack, a complete lack of safety measures. I should yeah. say um, this time tombstone attempts to throw Robbie into the chemicals so he can be like him, like literally be like him, which I kind of like that thematic connection. Mm-hmm. 
But Spider-Man intervenes, and when he and Tombstone begin to fight on the catwalk, it appears that Tombstone is once again going to fall into a vat, but Spider-Man saves him as well. So, it's fine. This is where the joke happens. (laughs) This is where he says, if you fall in there again, you might end up with some green hair. Which I have to imagine is a is a reference to the fact that this is how the Joker becomes the Joker I in hope so. a number of circumstances. And I mean, Smythe last week also had green hair, so like... <laughs> Smythe had green hair? He did. Yeah. Did you not? I just thought, that? like, I thought he was two colors. He's just, like, brown and then, like, no. blue. I didn't He's be- all green. He's different shades of green. Really? Am I colorblind? <laughs> look it up. Yeah, maybe you could just be misremembering. I mean, I'll look it up too. Alistair to Smythe, sure like su- Ultimate Slayer, is green? Are you fucking with me right now? No. I. Th- are you fucking with me? <laughs> no. He's brown, right? No, he's 100% green. Also, you said that his like eye coverings were green. I mean, you said his eye coverings were yellow, and I think they're they're green, but they're like a light green. But I wasn't going to say anything because I was like, I mean, they're like a light green, so they're close to yellow. But maybe you just really are seeing them as yellow. Maybe you are actually have like an element of colorblindness. (laughs) This would be literally the first manifestation of it in my entire life. Of all Um, things, of all things to like clue you into that. Yeah. I mean, he's he's like a muted shade of green, but he's I, I would not in any stretch of the imagination ever call that brown. I would 100% call that a shade of green. I would not call this green. But the yeah. hair, I, I, I'm seeing it, though. I, I see what you're saying. I, I, first, I just thought his hair was the same color as his skin. Uh, that's yeah. where I was coming from. Okay, so you're not colorblind. We just have different interpretations of what's green and what's yeah. not green. That's wild. <laughs> well, that's so, I, guess that I is, had a crisis I just now. <laughs> oh my it gosh. would be weird if, like, the no, fucking but, but Alistair Smythe Spider Slayer was the first thing that was like made you realize you were colorblind. Though. Well, that would be hilarious. Brown, but if it's brown and green, though, that would make a lot of sense. That's like a common. That's my brother mm-hmm. has a hard time with brown and green. Like that's a real. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the most common ones. Yeah, that's why I just had a sense. legitimate crisis. But it would just be funny if like that of all things would be the thing that would make you realize yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's just so funny. What's just funny because like I like I wouldn't have considered his hair like a striking shade of green or anything. I mean, it's not striking, um, but I, I definitely would would not well, call the, that anything. In but the green, sense that you know? the joke would be about him. You know what I mean? Mm, sure. I but. mean, who knows if it is or not? I don't fucking know. It's green vats and green hair. Like, I also like it could just be that like oh, they could have not been thinking about it at all and are just like the chemicals green. It might turn his hair green. Like that might as be as far as it goes too. Please, we might be giving them please, way too much credit. Please let me believe that they are referencing the fact that they did what every other show has done. It would I'll make let you me feel that. so much better. Also, I need that. every single person listening to this to let us know if Alistair Smythe is green, brown, or neither of the two. Yeah, I, I actually could see somebody coming at us and being like, "Y'all are being ridiculous." He's literally just like a white man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would destroy my reality, but sure. He's just yeah, like, no, he's I sort would of just like people. a fleshy color. Uh, that's that's <laughs> got to be why like yeah, we're having such a hard time. I think in the comics he's literally just like the same flesh color he would have been. Yeah, he is a it, it's not as I'm looking at like at least one comics image and he's not like as he's yeah, he's not green in the comics at all. It is like a fleshy kind of weird brown color. So it's kind of weird that they chose the greener shade but he is like an unnatural color like he's i when i when i think brown i'm not thinking like just a regular brown flesh color 
Uh, so there is something unnatural, but oh my god, is Alistair Smythe Ultimate Slayer the new dress? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I hope so. That would be amazing. Oh boy, for I that reason that. alone, I need everybody to reply. Laurel Yurani. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, this, this is horrible. How are we talking about him in an episode he's not even in? I'm upset. Oh god, yeah, in, in a good episode. I know. It's not like we're trying to not talk about this. <laughs> this is a good episode. Uh, okay, yeah, it's the vat of chemicals. I tell you, it's because of the vat of chemicals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it ruins everything. <sighs> it like creates some good supervillains and then ruins everything else. Um, yeah so anyway whatever everybody's saved it's fucking fine nobody's green hair whatever no green hair everybody's okay (laughs) below uh randy insists that uh he and robbie need to run uh but robbie refuses insisting that they face the consequences of their involvement Uh, randy's like but what about your reputation and robbie's like i don't care about any of that i care about you so like is if if this helps you, even if it ruins my reputation, I don't care. You're the one that I care about. Um, so Randy is basically proven that like, oh, my dad doesn't care about his job more than me. He does actually love me, um, which is what he's been seeking all along. Robbie's like, as long as it prevents the future endangerment of uh, of Randy and involved with team with Tombstone, any uh, any hit he takes is worth it. Um, he has a line where he's just like. Like the way that me and Tombstone are different is is that I'm not afraid of the cops. Um, I don't really like that line very much, but it is what it yeah. is. There's also a billboard, I think. Is it this episode, last episode, that's literally just like, the cops are your friends or like, yeah. trust the cops or something like yeah. that. Like I mean, <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I'm honestly like, I, I get it. Cause that's just like, what's in the zeitgeist, right? No, I know like, the cop Ganda stuff is all over the place. I feel like, like it ebbs and flows. Sometimes things are like very hard on the cops and then it like, and then it, you know, scales back. I think now the pendulum obviously is, is, is swung in the direction that I think is good. But, uh, at the time it's still like the show might talk a little bit about how like institutional racism is perpetuated by the cops, but ultimately the cops are the good guys, right? We want to see TV shows with cops in them. So (laughs) yeah. 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 Well, the episode ends with Spider-Man. It actually ends kind of abruptly. It it ends with Spider-Man watching as the Robertson family is reunited outside the chemical plant. And then he thwips off. And as he does, he remarks to himself that Madam Webb added a weapon to his arsenal, the belief in the human spirit. <laughs> and then it ends. Which I, also I, was I very... don't think makes any sense. I don't know what that's about at all. I, yeah, I guess like. <laughs> it's a weird bow to put at the end. <laughs> Who's human spirit? Robbie's? I guess so. I mean, yeah, I guess. And the fact that like, like human spirit is a weird way to put it. I, f- I wish that because I feel like he's trying to reference like Randy and Robbie being able to like repair their relationship and like oh, believe wait, in each no. other. Right. You know what it's a, I think it's supposed to be a callback to the the that very second conversation of the entire episode where Peter and Robbie are having a conversation about like is New York oh lo- like is New York a lost cause and oh, like shit. Robbie being the one who is like questioning that is very significant because Robbie is the one who believes typically that Spider-Man is good that people shit. are good that raising yeah. our kids here is fine. Like I do think it's 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 still worded a little bit weird because it didn't immediately click, but I I think I understand where they were coming from now. And it yeah, only no, just hit me. Yeah, but the fact that you had to like think through it that much isn't a good sign. Like when I was watching, I was just like, belief in the human spirit. Yeah, I guess cuz they love 
each other. Okay. Like that's whatever. Like <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, that's, yeah, I, I agree with you. The Madam Web stuff, you just have to not think about it because if you do yeah. think about it, it's, it's, that's, that's, that is the one weak point of this episode, which again is a bummer because we love Madam Web. Yeah. She's not weak. It's yeah. just how they chose to integrate her into the, yeah. the solution was maybe not very strong. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think it does lend to this abrupt, ending because it's sort of like we have to we have to call back to the madam web thing even though she's barely in this episode um when i think it would have been stronger if it just ended with robbie and randy because this episode was ultimately about them way more than it was about Mm spider-man um i think it's better it's all better done than like rocket racer for example where spider-man feels totally uh uh you know completely inessential and kind of incidental to that episode. Um, He is, he's a lot more, I think he's a lot more well woven into the story, but it all still ultimately isn't really a story about him, you know? Um, So it's kind of a bummer that they don't let this be Randy and Robbie's story at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. It should have ended with them. And I think just let Madam Webb be weird and intrusive and abrupt and confusing. Yeah, sure. Like it, it, we're not at the point where she means anything to us other than confusion right so just Mm -hmm. you don't have to tie anything up with her yeah it's a bummer because this is this is a good episode otherwise oh Um, it's a great episode great episode it's really Uh, really good stuff real quick uh face of the episode i already referenced it i just fucking i love that elisa's smile after all her evil scheming is just like the exact same smile and pose that she has as her like school portrait that they're using to print in the daily bugle as proof of her being part of a criminal organization. It's just hilarious to me. Like, I guess if like we're seeing that this is, this is what she looks like when she is doing crimes. So I I guess that photo is an accurate representation of her doing crimes. I will. I love that she runs her, you know, criminal enterprise in like a jean jacket vest. (laughs) Like what is that? Is that what it I is? I don't know. I guess so. Yeah. A jean jacket vest. I love and oh, pearl my God. earrings. <laughs> Elisa Silvermane, I don't, I just do not get her as a character in any way, shape, or form at all. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand. She's kind of a she's kind of a nothing character. She's just like Silvermane's evil daughter. That's yeah. that's it. Which Nothing is a bummer because her. I'm I'm intrigued by the idea of his like very young daughter taking over his criminal enterprise and what that means. Mm-hmm. Like I would like to see it, but um, especially because who she's surrounded by are way outside of her generation, right? Everybody else we've seen yeah. at this level is like uh, what well, Kingpin, right? Uh, Anastasia Hardy, Norman Osborn, J- Jonah Jameson. Like not that they're all crime lords. But anybody who has the amount of power that she apparently has uh, is not like a college age woman. <laughs> like, yeah, they're like firmly established and entrenched. Could be interesting. It's not really at this point. <laughs> nope. uh, that's, oh, well. That photo, though, is, is pretty fierce. Like if she were applying for a modeling gig, like she's she's set. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. I can see why Peter, <laughs> I can see why Peter wanted to date her for a time. I get that. I mean, she's a woman and she's alive. So, of <laughs> course, true. Peter wants to date her. That's true. That's true. I'm surprised he doesn't still want to date her, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a good this – is, this is a really good episode. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm really into it. I think there's some really good – even though, you know, they, they kind of whiff it on certain elements, but, like, the social commentary is there. Pretty minor elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I mean, there, there's some stuff where like, and, and a lot of the stuff, even at its worst, it's sort of like, I don't love the execution, but I think your ideas were really strong still. Um, but for the most part, the writing is really tight mm-hmm. and really like solid and well done. Like there's, there's not the chaos that this show normally throws at us. Isn't really there in this one. Um, it was very, they, they had a very clear vision for what this episode was. And I think that they, they gave it to us. And, and, and that's honestly kind of rare to say for this show. Cause this show, yeah. even at its best is sometimes kind of a mess. And this one is absolutely not that it's a very, very tight, very well done episode. Yeah. I think this is probably like sort of in league or close to being in league with Hydro man, right? Where it's like smooth, it's tight, it's written well, mm-hmm. it has a strong theme. It has a perspective and, and, and makes commentary on something important uh, using characters that weren't necessarily firmly established to that point. Um, like I think there are some similarities, uh, that, that make it stand out in a good way. Yeah, I would fully agree with that. Yeah. it's another case where you give a supporting character, like their own nemesis to face that gives them character development. Like mm-hmm. the show is always top notch when it finds a way to do that. So yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Me too. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll be impressed when you check out our Patreon, uh, and all the stuff we're doing over there. <laughs> Uh, at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers. Uh, check it out. See what's over there. All sorts of stuff. Lots of stuff, actually, at this point. We've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and please check out our Discord. Uh, we've had had some moments where it just like totally pops off. I would love more moments like that, and that can happen uh, only if there are more people in there. So check out our Discord. There should be a link in the show notes. Uh, if not, just let us know. We'll make sure you get in there. Uh, in the meantime, if you would like to find Derek or me, uh, just on the internet you can do that in a numerous ways uh derek where can people find you and the stuff you're working on mm-hmm. you can find me on twitter at derek b gale you can also find me on youtube under my video essay show second chance which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens what about you doug find me on twitter at icky bully i-c-k-y-b-o-o-l-e-y you can also find me on a number of other podcasts such as victory road which is a pokemon podcast uh, or novel gaming which is a books and video games and sometimes other pop culture podcasts and there's a link to all of those things Uh, on my Twitter, in a link tree, all together, easy to find. Uh, If you'd like more from Derek and me together, you can check out our monthly podcast called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we are watching every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on Monsters University is out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com or follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Green? Brown? Tan? Please Please rate, (laughs) review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. And next week, get hype, because a familiar foe will be returning to this series in The Sins of the Fathers, Chapter X. (laughs) Venom Returns. Nice. (laughs) Gonna get horny. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Bye.